Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. Uh, this is episode 28. As always, my name is Ben Jackson and I will be your host. And as per usual, I'm joined by Scott and Joris. Scott and Joris, how are you guys doing today? Marvellous. Absolutely marvellous, sir. How are you both? All good. All good, as always. So happy to be here again and let's dive in. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, good to be back on our regulars after we recorded a special episode for you guys last night which we're very excited about releasing you may have seen a little tease about it on our twitter account but yeah hopefully that'll be with you guys soon and yeah it's definitely worth listening to but for now we're just going to concentrate on all the action from last weekend and there was plenty of action that's for sure i'll just quickly run through the results so on friday we started with a basement battle and it was called who beat musclon 3-0 away Ustend beat St. Truden 3-1 on a Saturday early kickoff. Circle Blues changed manager, weren't able to change results. They lost 1-0 to Mechelen. Uh, we had a basement club against the top club in Bruges against Berlin. Despite Berlin battling quite hard, they succumbed to a 2-0 defeat to the tabletoppers. Standard Liège and Leuven played out a really exciting 1-1 draw in Saturday, on the Saturday evening. Sunday saw the Antwerp derby with Beershot losing 2-1 to Antwerp. And one of our favourite ever goal celebrations, which you're 100% going to talk about, and if you haven't seen that, you've got to find it because it's hilarious. Before that, we had Shalowa against Odderval again, which also finished 1-1. Genk lost 2-1 to Anderlecht. And then Ghent and Urpen played out a really, really entertaining 2-2 draw to round off the weekend. Scott, looking back on all those games, which one was your game of the week? Well, I went for Circle and Mechelen. Not so much for the actual football because, in truth, it wasn't really a great game. More because of the implications of the result for the bottom of the table. The game itself was pretty even, not much in it. We know now, obviously, Mecklen managed to kind of escape with all three points with that late Di Camargo goal with that shot that went in off the post. The game itself, you know, pretty pretty forgetful for the most part. But yeah, it was the implications of the result. I was thinking about it afterwards and before the game, if Circle had managed to win, they would have put themselves five points clear of bottom place Beveren, which which would have put them in a pretty difficult position. We know that didn't happen. The win for Mecklen now moves them up to 10th and 14 points clear of the danger zone. The thing is, the really interesting thing, that there are now only nine points separating the bottom four sides, uh, St. Trude, Muscron, Circle and Beveren. Um, and it kind of confirmed to me, actually, that the, the relegation battle is, is almost certainly going to go to... Uh, the final game of the season. So we're probably going to be going into the final game in eight weeks or so from now, knowing that probably any two from three or any two from four are going to going to go down. So it just underlined really that, that the relegation battle is probably going to the final game. And again, I think it's probably all likely to flip based on, you know, the coming results that are going to come this weekend. But it was more, more to do with the implications of the game rather than the game itself that I went for. Yeah, it will be interesting to see which one in the end uh, will or which ones will be going down. I think there are some there are some fixtures coming up this weekend actually that I think are going to have huge significance as well and um, we'll, we'll obviously get to them later probably best not to kind of touch upon them just now but there are depending on the way a couple of results in particular could go this weekend it could get even more mysterious down at the bottom but yeah I went I went for the Circle Mecklen game just because of uh, how condensed it's made that bottom now and it's just it's, it's kind of opened it all up again and just underlines that really this is going to come down to who gets results at the right moment 
or is there a side that can go on a meaningful run in the next eight weeks? And that's that's something we're going to have to wait and see. Looking at all those sides' form, I don't think there is a side that are going to go on a run that's going to necessarily make them pull away. The only side that have really done that are, are Mechelen. Their recent upturn form has really seen them pull away well into mid-table now. And, and I think they are, I'm not going to use the word safe, but they're in a pretty decent position now after after looking like they were in really real trouble for, for quite a while there. Yeah, I think kind of looking ahead at the fixtures as well, you've got in two match days time, so I think it's on the 27th of Feb, you've got Circle against, against Everton uh, on the Saturday. So that's going to be a, a key one, you'd imagine, because you'd imagine that, I think, looking ahead for Circle, they've got Anderlecht and then they've got Mousclon. So for Circle, that's like two really big games in a row. Kind of just going back to what you guys were talking about as well, with the relegation battle and the tightening up, it wasn't my game of the week, but I feel like it's kind of like a nice kind of segue into it, is the Courtrike victory over Mousclon. I feel like that is a lot bigger than maybe people might look at it and think, because I feel like if Courtrike hadn't decided to change manager and kind of make a decision and finally like commit to something, that is a game I imagine they were going to lose. And I feel like the trajectory they were on, they were like well on their way to losing that and really becoming a side that is like kind of ground into that bottom battle so yeah we got like that slight separation but the way this league's gone this season like who knows who's going to slide back in there as well like it's just so tight down there and, and as we mentioned in the in our chat already like uh, one of our predictions that has gone quite bad like we were going quite negative about the Kortrijk winter transfers but two mm-hmm. of them made the two first goals already and not only that like uh, the assists were also given by uh, by winter transfers so <laughs> I guess uh, that proves uh, how much of experts we still are <laughs> <laughs> yeah we listen to our transfer window special now because it's all wrong so yeah so I completely agree have you who have you gone for for t- uh, player of the week Scott I went for Dino Hotic circles Dino Hotic he had a, a pretty good game I thought he had the most dribbles in the match he, he lost possession more than any other player in the match as well which is an indication of how, how much he was looking to get on the ball and he was just really lively you know he was trying to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and really make things happen for circle and you know you think if other players had maybe reached the performance levels that he'd put in um, at the weekend then maybe circle would have got a different result it's always nice to see players trying to make things happen like that and, and he has that ability to do that you know there was a 15 minute spell particularly at the start of the second half in the game where he, w- he was single-handedly trying to win the game you know taking it upon himself to, to beat players and, and shoot from positions that you know nobody should really be shooting from so a really great shift from him so I, I kind of couldn't not go for him uh, for, for, for that game 24 appearances for the season now for him for Circle as well so you know he's 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 a regular starter and even if he doesn't start you know he, he tends to feature at some point in the game so he's an important player and I think if Circle are going to get out of the bottom two and, and survive this season, then they're going to need a player like Dino Hotic to to keep producing form like he like he did at the weekend. Yeah, and no, I like I like Dino Hotic. I think kind of like you said, like he's quite he's just a, one of their like kind of standout players, isn't he? Really like creative. He's quite creative and good in that sense. And he's kind of one of those players that when I look at Circle and I think 
that's when when we talk about their squad and you say sound like that squad is good like you think in the players like Dino Hotic that's in there like there's other players in there as well but like he's one of those standout players that you're like yeah this side shouldn't be where they are like they shouldn't be one point off the bottom with a squad that they've got and the players like that that they have so yeah like like it, it does come down to that doesn't it? at the end of the season you kind of think okay there's got to be a moment of individual quality from a player who has that quality like Hotic who is going to make the difference for circle to stay up but yeah, they kind of need to really start turning it around now, don't they? Like it's it's getting to that point where they are kind of their slump in form has been going on for so long. They didn't get that immediate new manager bounce that they were looking for. Obviously, it's still like you can't judge that yet. Like sometimes it takes it's like different in different situations. But like someone like Santarden who changed their manager, they had that instant kind of managerial bounce. Musclon have had that managerial bounce, and I think that's what Circle are looking for. And yeah, did you see? enough of a change in kind of approach during the game to think that they they are going to have that like turnaround I think that there was uh, the first half in particular there was there was more energy about them than they'd had in recent weeks but the thing about that is they've not they've not really been playing badly I think I haven't been watching them for a while now most weeks I've seen quite a lot of circle this season and the thing about their slump over the last couple of months has really been you know they tend to start games reasonably well actually sometimes you know they take the lead and usually it's when they lose the initiative that they tend to fold you know they we've talked about this a little bit as well they they instinctively because of their lack of confidence they start to get deeper and deeper uh, and invite teams on and that that's always asking for trouble especially when you know you're not in possession when you're happy to settle for that and they They've last couple of weeks they've kind of moved away from that. You know, they haven't been sitting quite as deep. So in that sense, I think there is, yeah, there are some small positive signs, but they obviously need to get some points. And um they've got a hard one this weekend um at home to, to Anderlecht. And again, I think they really need something there because they've got the advantage of playing on the Sunday and Muscron are the only side in the bottom four who play last. They're playing on Monday. So if the other sides can get some points, that really puts pressure on 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 Muscron and yeah I, small site small green shoots perhaps and I, mm. I can uh, to completely in, um, give a negative stat there they lost their last nine home games now in a row yeah that's right yeah. Now, wow. so yeah they again they play at home uh, this weekend so that's not very promising that's, that that doesn't have to mean anything of course but I found it an interesting stat it is a really interesting stat that Yoris because when you think about it because of the situation at the moment and there being no fans in I, I've always been of the opinion that because of the situation that does favour the away side just slightly sometimes more so than others depending on you know who the sides are and the size of the stadium and those kind of things but generally I think it does does give the away side a, a slight yeah a slight advantage no I, I get what yeah I definitely get what you guys are saying And um, but one thing I would say is when you look back at so Anderlecht played Vazland a couple of weeks ago they drew 0-0 they then played away to Musclon and they drew 1-1 like literally a couple of days later so as a side they kind of struggled against these bottom teams I know we're going to get into their victory on the weekend eventually but they're quite, they're quite like up and down in a sense. You never know what sort of analytics you're going to get and they usually will give you a chance and stuff. It's just whether Circler have that confidence to take that chance because I think you're right. I think they need something, Scott. I think you're right. I think even if they just take a point from that game, they go into the Muscon game and then the Beveren game with a lot more confidence because those two games are going to be the biggest ones of their season so far. Like if they don't pick up any points against Muscon or Beveren, then you're kind of like, 
that's you're almost down really aren't you because you've given away points to them there and then you really are deep in the mire so it's just a, it's been very weird from them very very weird I think we've probably kind of to use a weird saying like flogged this horse to death already with the talk about circular being good at the beginning of the season then just falling completely off a cliff but it has been remarkable and I think it just kind of beggars belief as to how this happened when they haven't been playing that badly before we move on to my game of the week I saw that you've hijacked the best moment of the week on our little note section so I won't take that away from you Scott <laughs> yeah, I, 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 decide, I decided I have to had I had to have a, a moment of the week, which is a new thing for me. Lamkerzy's goal celebration, which Ben touched on at the start, just 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 a fantastic, fantastic moment. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. If you haven't, go and check out our Twitter account because I think we've shared it a couple of times in different forms on Twitter. That's how good it is. Obviously, he scored the opening goal of the derby at the weekend, and he ran off the pitch as part of his goal celebration and up into the stand sat in a seat and just kind of nodded approvingly and, and, and applauded. Um, and it was just absolutely hilarious. Uh, my initial reaction was fear, to be honest, because I thought, where is he going? What is he going to do here? You know, I was assuming it was going to be something really not good, but actually it was it was rather wonderful. And it was almost matched by Frankie Verkoutren's own response on the touchline, because he, much like a dutiful father, you could see him gesticulating to him saying, come down, come down. Um, it was just, it was, it was just beautiful, beautiful. And it still makes me smile when I think about it even now. Frikantin yeah, obviously was uh, was like also angry because he got a yellow card for that for running into the stands. <laughs> yeah. He should not be allowed now and I guess now it, in, in given the circumstances it's not that bad. But what I actually will take from that moment even is Neil de Pau who uh, threw snowballs at a, snow, yeah. a snowball at him <laughs> and and additionally, then one minute later, Neil Depau is just like my player of the week in that moment, I guess. <laughs> Had a beautiful control, ball control to give an assist to Herkes uh, and to decide the game in the end. So like one minute later, like, yeah, he had the, he had the one b- b- minute of his lifetime there. <laughs> <laughs> to, to add to the comedy, when he was on his way up the steps to the seat he actually almost slipped on some snow as well so he may well have fallen over and injured himself before he even got to that point so the whole thing was just you know it was it was just if he can keep if he can keep the humor on that side of things then yeah. you know he's he's certainly going to win people over longer term 100% yeah i think i i said something about along those lines i was like these are the antics that you can live with and these are the antics of like an eccentric player that we like to see just like they make you laugh they're funny there's no like antagonism I guess unless you're a beer shop fan you'd probably be a little bit rattled by it but at the same time it was just funny like and the, the players throwing snowballs at him and stuff like that like it was just quite I know the game definitely needed it I think like it was a bit of a drag first half as well so mm. he loved it. and it was a good goal to be fair like a really good header from him so he's on form and he's that should be going viral more than his uh training gown shenanigans from a couple of weeks ago so that's for sure so yeah more of that, please, Lankazi. Let's see if you can top that the next time you score. So, what what will we think? Will he win? Will he win against an audience? <laughs> only, only, only time will tell in that one. I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the important thing with Lankazi uh, really is as good as his form's been recently and there's no doubt you know you can't argue with it he's doing the business on on the pitch and that's 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 all he can actually do and the most important thing he can do and he's doing it I still think though that he needs to just sustain that good form over quite a good length of time it's fine to be good for you know 
a two or three week period, which he has been, but I, I hesitate to use the phrase, that's not quite enough, but I kind of do feel it's not quite enough, you know, so just keep keep going, Diddy, keep going. Yeah, it needs a sustained period of like, it's kind of with like good behaviour, but it's not good behaviour, it's just like not winding people up and just like having some sort of meltdown in, in training or something like that, isn't it? It's like, keep that, like you said, keep that eccentricity on the pitch, keep those like shenanigans, and like funny moments on the pitch and like eventually fans may turn around may not happen it's like we're not Antwerp fans we can't say kind of speak to them I guess it's kind of it's their decision but I think for us in that sense it is that sustained period of okay like he's keep the form going and keep like the focus on the football because he is a good player we always we've like always maintained he's a good player so yeah Definitely, it is hilarious, and like, yeah, like we just said, if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. But yeah, let's hope he can sustain it. And it is this turning point in his career, which he definitely needs. Quickly moving on, my game of the week was the Sunday night game. We saw again against Urban, it finished 2 all. Yeah, it was a really entertaining game. So, of course, the only player that really scores for Urban these days, uh, Prevoyak, put them ahead. There's a bit of a hint of an offside in that one, but it was given. So nothing you can really do about that. It's kind of like a long floaty free kick to the back post. And he just taps it in. He's definitely a bit of a poacher. Uh, he's kind of got, he's kind of, I kind of think of him as like an all-round striker in terms of like, he's just a goal, like a natural goal scorer. And that's like his, what he does. However, in the space of three minutes, it was the Tisu Dali show. The game completely turned on its head in the 27th minute. It was a lovely, like kind of flowing move. I think it's Sven Kums like flicks it on and Tisu Dali like, one touch, thing, takes it under control, round the keeper, slots it in. Second goal, about three minutes later, I think, really nice kind of break from Ghent. And Roman Bezos with this is really, really clever pass because he just completely takes the defender out of it. But he, it's the timing of the pass, if you haven't seen it. He waits for the defender until the very last second when the defender's just up on him before slipping it into Tisa Dali. And yeah, he's not going to miss them there. They then gave away a penalty. In the second half, Ghent did to give Urpen a way back in. It was Prevoljak again. Who else? He absolutely leathered it. Like, you just had no doubt that he was going to score. And then there's the controversy. So, I think it's about the 79th minute. The ball's kind of played through to, oh, I can't remember who it was in the Ghent side. But they kind of get it to the byline, cut it back. And Yelemchuk brings it down, controls it, feeds it to Tisa Dali. He puts it in. From what I saw, so I didn't have commentary, from what I saw, it was given as an offside against the initial player who got the ball to the to the goal, to the the um, goal line. But from what I saw, it just didn't look offside. It looked mar- one of those marginal things. But it looked like he was being played on side by an earthen player. But it was really, really tight. Really, really tight. And I thought benefit of the doubt. And they took so long to make the decision, like, the VAR decisions that are being made sometimes it just take too long. Like I just don't understand. And we and the, the annoying thing is when you're watching it on TV and because everyone's watching it on TV, like give us the replays that they're seeing as well. Like that will help fans kind of understand it more. From the like image that I saw, we literally just saw one still, and to me it looked like he was onside. And like five minutes later, I felt like he was given as offside. And it's kind of like you never get like okay why. What other angles did they see that I didn't see that made him offside? So it could have been a really good game for Tito Dali. He could have had a hat-trick, but it wasn't to be, unfortunately. But yeah, really, really entertaining game. It was really nice, like, kind of Sunday night. You're kind of thinking, oh, weekend over. Just going to settle down and watch some football. And you get, like, kind of spoiled with a really, like, entertaining game between these two teams. And I've always found, like, with Urpen, they are quite an entertaining side to watch. Um, they've got some really exciting young attacking players. So enjoyable game. Yeah, 
hint very much very much yeah yeah very much got robbed in that game because as you mentioned it, it that, that that first open goal it was a clear offside in the end it was, it was only a question like uh, for the VAR then if was it Babi I believe hit the ball with his head but yeah he clearly did you could see that and you don't need several replays for it, of that to, to, to see that maybe initially I can still get it but afterwards like yeah these are the VR the VAR should have seen that yeah and obviously that that third goal from Tisodali was was a valid one actually but somehow it didn't pass through yeah there were some stupid things about technical things about that the uh, images that the VAR has in their buses have a different frame yeah, rate, yeah, frame rate. Yeah, yeah. and like they can't handle the images that we see at home for example so they have worse images than we have so well that's just already shambles again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to highlight that second Tisodali goal, not only because of the assist, but also like that was really a very, very composed and calm finish. Like, yeah, he mm-hmm. wasn't going to miss indeed, but like it was not so easy as you think because the ball was not perfect, I guess, or, or it takes it in a peculiar way. But like, yeah, it was just a very, very neat finish. So uh, definitely watch that one. And I will also already say, okay, another one of these things that probably are wrong in the winter transfer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm not. It's just one game, so I'm not gonna completely yeah. say it's 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 my prediction has been wrong. So uh, for the ones that people that didn't listen, well, actually go listen to it. But I said some things about Tisodali not yeah not gonna be that he's not gonna be a success at Ghent, but he he has a flying start there for sure in the scored in his first two games, including the cup game last week. So yeah, he definitely is off to a flying start, and uh, my he's already proving my wrongings potentially. Did he, did he buy it? chance dedicate that almost hat trick to you particularly Yoris did <laughs> yeah I, I'm gonna did claim... you get any messages that's that's for you Yoris I'm gonna claim it yeah <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> interestingly like I was looking on um football after the game and he had the least touches I think out of any player on the pitch so he definitely made them count when he did get them yeah I think he, he just yeah I don't I, I can't remember what I said in the transfer special now so it was like ages ago but I'm yeah, he kind of just like looked like he's gonna fit in well next year. M chick like just having that more dynamic forward player alongside him just just seemed to help him as a striker as well. So as a partnership, it's quite like an interesting one. But yeah, like you said, it's off to a flying start, but it's kind of like wait a few games, then we can really judge the transfer as well. My player of the week actually isn't from this game. It is one of probably my favourite players this season so far is Albert Sambi Lokonga of Anderlecht. I thought he was just quality again. Like he's just been so consistently good this season. So yeah, he was definitely my player of the week in their victory. He got an assist, but it wasn't just his assist. He had like an 87% pass success rate. He created about five chances. I think he won like 10 of his duels, like for a midfielder. It's just, he's that just like really well-rounded player, isn't he? Like he can drive the team forward. He can break up play and make tackles. Warranted gank like Joris, I know we're going to talk about this for sure, but they really went at the races. But I feel like you can't take away from him the way he played. I thought he was really, really, really good. Uh, he gets fouled a lot, so he's fouled about four times. He always seems to be getting fouled when the games I watch them watch him play. And he has another great all-round performance. His price tag should surely be going up with every game that he's playing. I'd be very surprised if Anderlecht don't cash in on him in the summer, um, especially with their recent kind of announcements about the losses that they're suffering and stuff like that like we all know the financial situation there's pretty terrible at the moment and he's kind of like the next prize asset they have really isn't he like he's still quite young really really good talent in there we spoke about it at the transfer window special about the, the potential replacement for him already 
But yeah, I don't know what, Joris, if you want to jump off the back on this to talk about Genk or anything, but I just, yeah, player of the week for me, Lekonga. I, I both don't want to talk about Genk at all or <laughs> want to go on and I will go, to, go for this last feeling, go for the Rams. <laughs> because it was just, yeah, terrible, terrible. Let me ask you a question, Joris. Uh, yes. You know, from, from the neutrals point of view here, obviously, you know, Genk, Genk were really, really poor at the weekend. There's, there's no doubt about that, but what what do you think is kind of the crux of the issue? Is it is it to do with the back three? Is it the lack of an effective defensive midfielder in front of them? Is it the lack of a Lakonga type figure who likes to sit like he does for Anderlecht in front of defence, but can also break lines? Is it you know what is it? Do you think all of the above? And then not consistently making a choice for one of the other options. Mostly okay. that, actually. We're, we're, that's one of my points also. Like, we're switching. Like, the players see, don't really seem to to care, at least that's what they are saying. And I also don't really care in which formation they uh, set up. But there should be some consistency, and they're clearly not getting that. And somehow things have gone south very, very, very quickly. And yeah, that's to, to put that into perspective. One month ago, eight games ago, uh, when uh, they won their uh, the game against Oepe that they had in hand, they were only one point behind Club uh, Brugge. And um, one month later, just one month and a few days, they are 17 points behind. Of <laughs> course, of course, Klubrige also won all of their other games. So that, that's, that it's going to be a number and that you're going to be more behind is quite logical. But 17 is just, yeah, you, they lost 16 points uh, to them um, in comparison to them. So that if, even if it would only have been 10 or something, it would already be a lot with that, taking that incredible run of Brugge in a, in a, into account. But yeah, to get uh, back to the specific game uh, with Henk, yeah, first of all, the approach of the game was just horrific. Henk just can't do that, take a home game and go into a home game this defensively because... Like Scott already mentioned a few things that are issues there. Just they, they can't defend well enough to do that. They, they, then, then they still got lucky to get yeah, the 1-0, a flying start into the, in the second minute. Even though already in the second minute, like you saw that, that uh, Anderrecht had the initiative and that they, they were going to have the game in hand. Um, yeah, they're going to gonna take the game in hand, which is okay to some extent because like they usually do and it doesn't always work out well. But yeah, you, you can't give it that much. They have to at least fight for getting that. And there was there was nothing of that. Then so yeah, that's one thing. I'll another thing that I will say about Van der Brom that they, this game should you can whichever game it is, a home game of Genk can never go. You can never go into it this defensively just because of also what fans expect in in general. It would have either be either way would have been a very difficult game even at our best. Um, like it like Andrecht really were strong. So, but then at least it would have been more of a game and more there would have been more into it. Then what else about Van den Brom? Then more still he has been praised for his people management in the past, but yeah, that we don't really see much of that right now because people are going in to the squad outside the squad quite quickly is changing things that's, that's already more tactically then of course but that goes a bit together then there now we have five substitutions that we can make 
even if he does, isn't really a fan of making the five, he also doesn't get to the three. Just made the one change in midfield at the at break that everyone could see that they needed a man there, extra man there, because Lokonga, where Ben was talking about, was for some reason completely left free as well. So they, they let him have the ball. Not to take anything away from his performance, of course, but like you, like I said, the, on a team level, they didn't really have to fight for it. Well, Lokonga also didn't really have to fight to to get this ball. And like it was, just, they just made it too easy for Anderlecht. Then, yeah, and then he made the one change in in like the 85th minute for Desers uh, to get to get a striker, and it's also quite an uh, uninspired change. Also, he was praised to uh, to be good with youth. Like we don't see much of them anymore. All of them get like five minutes here and there as well but like that that's not how they will uh, improve and how they will be able to develop as a player neither is for example Desert for this five minutes at least give him if you see how bad it was going like give this give some players uh half an hour to yeah to to prove themselves and just to try to change things up also yeah. i feel that's already more okay i'm not technical gene technical genius but i feel like even a weird change uh, or maybe from an outsider view weird change like bringing mckenzie in for one of the defenders and uh, rosowski who in the end uh, he he didn't wasn't on the bench so it wasn't possible he was in the in the stands uh, another thing i will touch on in uh, in one minute yeah yeah to bring such kind of players in even if it's at a lower uh, level of the field they can pass the ball and they they will make the connection between the, the lines better and that, that way you can move forward. That was definitely something worth one of these things was worth trying at least. Um, don't have to do with them all because that might change things up, things up too much. But like there was there was nothing inspired and nothing was going to change with that. Even with even after bringing that third midfielder in, it didn't really help. Like that, yeah, they still were not doing anything. I think I think you, uh, yeah. <laughs> To me, actually, I think there is definitely a, a, an issue probably with the balance of the side. I mean, lots of people will probably disagree about where where exactly that is, and that that's probably the crux of it. You know, if you can identify that correctly, then then you're probably onto something. Um, and we could talk for quite a long time about that. I think. I also think as well. You know, you were talking about. Van den Brom's substitutions generally there seems to be a lack of a plan B so when a substitution mm-hmm. comes there generally isn't a change of system at all it's just a switch in personnel so you know you're not you're not going to turn a game around pu- purely by that any game pretty much well um, to be fair that this time he did that so he took Preciado out of the back yeah. and uh, put Tomai in, in the midfield but like sometimes he does these things and like quite randomly and then they sometimes they have effect sometimes they don't and like there's, there's just no continuity in that and that's worrying me a lot also like uh like i said uh rosowski and that's also maybe touching a bit on the balance of that uh of the of the 11 of the squad he's not a world-class player for sure but he featured in all seven games that uh, that they won in a row in that amazing streak then one week he was out because of some reason I think he, he indeed was not able to play and then he never came back into the team and thing like before this run of seven games and after this run of seven games in which he didn't feature much he, if he, he has a, made a few sub appearances lately but not much then things have gone wrong completely and like I feel like even if indeed he's not a world-class player he and Hannett together are two 
players that like maybe you can call it more like the runners that give the freedom to the attacking three there who also were nowhere this time even if Bongonda scored it was literally the only thing he did all game and they were yeah they were kept out of the game quite easily and they're they I think this combination could help some things and well the thing is we also just don't know that's what I'm Maybe that's not true, maybe not, but he doesn't try it either. And like it has been proven in the past that it worked. It doesn't work always. I can imagine that. But like even in this bad spell, he doesn't go back to that that thing that at least for some time was successful. And I still don't really see why. Like why that doesn't happen. Yeah. So I'm I'm slightly in a panic rant, uh, as you can see. And I'm I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure how long I've been going on, but I'm I'm, I'm not even half of it if I want to. But I, I will not go too far. Uh, I'm also, absolutely I'm absolutely what, certain this is something that we'll come back to because there's there's so many tactical questions around around this. I think as well. You know, in listening to you talk, you're sort of thinking about Ito and Bongonda and. The, the, the challenges they face because of the positions they play aren't unusual, obviously. But the thing about that balance between, you know, the, the attacking thrust that both of them have, but also tracking back um, at the right points and in the right way is really, really difficult, I think. And that that's what sets, you know, those players in those positions apart, you know, the world-class ones from the ones who are, who are kind of good. Um, because obviously the danger is if you lose possession in those areas, then you can get exposed terribly quickly in transitions especially if you're playing you know a really good passing side like Anderlecht so there's yeah there's the god you know you've you've got me drawing little diagrams in my head <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah that's exactly what I meant with, with the runners the, these can take some weight of that defensive work from them so that will both give them some more breathing room there and well they will be more fresh in attack when the, when they when the ball has been won as I said like Rosowski is not it's not like the big strong six as you were talking about in the beginning for example but I think he has more, like smart runs uh, his position in, in these situations is way better than than, that's, than we have right now any kind of combination of players that has been tried yet which maybe is... the solution maybe maybe the solution is for Genk to, to buy Lakonga <laughs> <laughs> that might that might work if only if only yeah well, and also just another thing, like it's it's a bit outside of it. And actually, I want to compliment the greenkeepers and the the people that are the few fans. And I well, not sure about fans, but people around the club at least that were. Uh, I think there were some youth players involved, uh, for example, for cleaning up the pitch with the snowfall. Like it looked really perfect during the game. You saw some players sliding, so of course there were still some effects uh, of of the snowfall, but at least it looked really well and the ball seemed seemed to be going really well and like well there's a reason why both trainers actually also both coaches like also gave them compliments but that makes it even worse like the performance on the pitch from the players like yeah just yeah, no <laughs> words think, yeah <laughs> And of course, yes, it's, it's sorry, sorry. It's not only the, it's not only Van den Brom, of course. All the players also individually bear a lot of responsibility there. Like there's something wrong clearly, and yeah, I can't get my head around it. I gave some options, but I'm not sure if any of these would help. Of course, I'm not a coach. I'm not paid for that. But uh, I would try some things. That that's that's not bothering me a bit. Yeah, I think like for people listening that are probably who may not have watched the game and look and think, oh, Anderlecht only one two one. Like, what is your son about? That trust me. Like, if you'd watched the game, you'd realize why. Like, 
and Alex should have won by way more than two to one. Like they had so many more chances. They just their kind of attack wasn't that great. That like, it could have been so if they'd been more clinical, they could have really put Gent to the sword. Like the fact that Gent was still in the game by the dying embers was just well, it was a miracle because they literally had like there's like no energy, there was no kind of like like kind of what Scott said, like plan B when plan A wasn't working. It's like, okay, let's switch it up and start doing this. Like everything that just, and then, yeah, like you said, like you bring Dessers on with like what five minutes ago, like kind of like, what's, what's the point? Like, what's he going to do in those five minutes? Like, you're not creating chances anyway. No one's really having an option. So, yeah, if you're listening to this and thinking that Yoris is overreacting, like, trust me, watch the games. And like, obviously, Yoris watches these get like getting quite a bit as well. So he knows what the slide has been like. And it has been a slide. Like, you look at the results that they were getting when Scott cursed them. So maybe it is actually Scott's fault for the jinx. Like, maybe this is like <laughs> the jinx has come fully cert- like round. It's like like in Space Jam where um, the aliens. Come <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Somehow this has happened, and this is the result that we have. Like apart you, from ma- the you, you, you managed to make me laugh in, in while I'm still in this madness. So I guess you're doing a good job here. <laughs> but it's been such so, Any it's been... to drop a Space Jam reference, it's got to be done. It's, yeah, it's been so long since I watched that movie. <laughs> Brings back memories. <laughs> anyway, let's move, let's move on from Genk. Um, because I know you're actually like to do your usual roundup. So let's kind of give you some space to breathe and like let that leave you. What um, what else did you see happening over the well, weekend? Well, I already jumped on some points like the hint of VRR things and the Antwerp stuff was uh was definitely on my agenda. Yeah, for the rest, there's still there was some remarkable feat, remarkable feats. Uh, that there was only one home win this weekend, last weekend. So that's quite a feat. Yeah, indeed, like Scott already mention it again maybe COVID has some effect maybe it was just a coincidence but this weekend there, there was really just one home win from Ostende against Intrada of which on which I will touch on a little later soon as well moreover there was plenty of late minute drama late minutes taking a bit to a stretch but like no less than eight goals were made after the 80 minutes on a total of 24 so literally one third of all the goals last weekend came after the 80 minutes of course for example three of them were scored in that horrible horrible terribly boring game between Antwerp and Beerschot that then exploded inside three minutes <laughs> um, which we were hoping for really but yeah yeah didn't really expect it anymore yeah we got we got a little bit of space in the end definitely yeah yeah so and as I mentioned Ostende is the one it was one, one exception is still going quite strong although they're like in, in points they're on doing not doing that great either but Last weekend they won. They didn't have a clean sheet in the last 11 games though. But to give them a bit more hope, also Maktar Gay had a goal draw since the beginning of December, but now has scored four goals inside one week, two in the cup and two in the in the league. Yeah, yeah. So that's the how- fan club is back. <laughs> and uh, that's a stat that has been turned around and uh, yeah so that might also happen with the clean sheet statistic of course yeah that's that's already anything else I had that I had put a lot of energy in my in my gank rant and there's still there could be still be more but like uh, yeah we're not gonna we're not on a gank pot <laughs> here so I will I will leave that uh, for now I'm not claiming control or like uh, originality for this but I saw um, our friend what load of waffle tweeting about the amount of amount of gays that there are in Belgian mm-hmm. football to the point where we had I think it was on Friday we had Musclon's gay getting sent off for fouling Kortzweig's gay and then a couple of not hours not family later, these two not family 
Mm-hmm. Not family, no. And then on the Saturday, we had Mahtar Gay scoring two goals. So family, like... family, yes, from the Muslim <laughs> one. So it was a mixed feeling for the, for the family Gay. For the gay family, like, yeah. A red card <laughs> and two goals. Well. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of like dominated. The Gays just kind of dominated for this like short period of time between Friday and Saturday. So yeah, I'm all here for that, like family affairs and all that sort of stuff. More to it. And I've, I, I've said before, I'm a big fan of Mahtar Gay. I just love him because he's just massive, really tall. And he's just like, he just, I enjoy watching him play. I really do. Mm-hmm. I find him quite entertaining as a player to watch. So yeah, keep it up. Obviously, we've got the special episode coming out. If you haven't seen the tweet, it is an interview that we had last night with Anton, who is the youngest CEO in European football, as far as we know, at Southland Beveren. Really, really interesting to chat with him about Beveren and like how the club's being run, what it's like during COVID time transfer window business stuff like that like kind of on the pitch off the pitch sort of stuff so we're really looking forward to getting that out to you at some point i'm sure everyone will really enjoy that really interesting chat we're also trying to revive our european specials obviously we're not going to be doing them in the volume that we did at the beginning of the season because it's not the group stages anymore obviously we've already done a rangers one so if you are interested as an Antwerp fan and hearing more about Rangers definitely check out our Rangers special from a couple of months ago uh, we're hoping to line up a Kiev one for you uh, if you're a Blues fan or interested in that Blues matchup so that's definitely coming actually I can confirm we got some news today that we are going to be doing a recording so we will be bringing you all um, a little preview of Bruges game against uh, Dynamo Kiev myself and Joris will be having a nice little chat with uh, some guests in a few days which will which will get out to you soon so don't say we're not good to you as always there, there's plenty coming oh, that's what I was just about to say as you said earlier Scott yeah don't tell me if we don't give you enough as much content as we possibly can but yeah guys thank you very much for joining me again i feel like we're spending more time with each other than we spend with anyone else which is definitely definitely nice but yeah yours thanks for bringing the, the energy and the passion of a gank fan you definitely deserve to go and have a nice lie down now and maybe a cold beer just to kind of like let it all wash away yeah that might happen but um before we <laughs> Before we go, shouldn't we go look forward to some fixtures? Have you marked two or three actually? Just just because of the significance of what's going on down the bottom at the moment. I think Monday night's Ghent Muscron, I think, is a, is an interesting one to keep an eye on. I think St. Truden's home game against Zoltan Saturday mm-hmm. is another one. But the one that I think potentially has the biggest implications going on for the next few weeks is Beveren's home game against Open. That's that's a biggie to kind of keep your eye on, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yours, any of the other ones take your fancy? There are so many because, like, Anderlecht could do a really good business just based on the classification. So they face Circle and all the teams around them play each other. So... Yeah, the first seven, I guess, play against each other, uh, except Anderich then, so six out of these seven. So I don't know if these games, I'm, I'm definitely not looking forward to Austin versus Henk in the <laughs> current form, but uh, that might change soon, obviously. Uh, maybe I would go uh, for Standard against Antwerp. Um, that, yeah. that, that could be an interesting one. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a good one for sure. Just to run through the, the rest of the fixtures. So we have Friday, we have Leuven against Kortrijk. Kortrijk's second Friday match in a row. Uh, if they win this, they might start a petition to only play on Fridays um, after last week's 3-0 victory. Uh, as Scott said, we have Vazan Bevelin against Erpen. That's the Saturday first early kickoff. Vincent Tarradin against Odevalagem on that's a 5.30 UK time kickoff. Saturday's rounded off uh, with Usten hosting Genk. Sunday, yeah, kicks off with that big game. Standard Liege against Antwerp. That should be a classic. Let's hope for some more Lankowski celebration. Beershot against Mechelen on Sunday. Nice kind of like mid-table clash now. 
Shallow Art hosts Club Brews. Club Brews, who are starting to really, really run away with the league title at the moment. Circular face Anderlecht in the Sunday night kickoff. And then, yeah, we have Ghent against Musclon on Monday night. So, yeah, like you guys said, plenty of implications there for both ends of the league. A couple of victories for each, like a couple of teams there, and it could really shake it up again. The bottom side really need to pick up some points. So, before they start playing against each other coming up soon. So, that's definitely some big games for those guys. Yeah, I think that's all we have time for now. So, as always, Thank you very much to Scott and Yoris for joining me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And if I could, Yoris, I would come and tuck you in. <laughs> I'll, I'll be fine. Thanks. But, uh, yes. Uh, I, I, maybe I was uh, forgetting a bit about last weekend's game already when I said I was that everything was okay um, this, <laughs> in the beginning of the episode. But in general, in life, everything is okay. But not really. Yeah. I haven't the- been the most pleasant person to be around lately either, though. <laughs> Well, hopefully that changes for you uh, this weekend. As always, we just want to say a special thanks to Joseph McDade for our intro and outro music. And again, we'll give a shout out to Freelance Football Ops. You must know now if you listen to our podcast that we're partnered with Freelance Football Ops. Their subscription-based newsletter comes in every Monday uh, where they find jobs covering writing, design, video, audio, and kind of anything really in football media. So yeah, definitely check them out on Twitter. Just search for Freelance Football Ops. You'll find them there or just look for www.freelancefootballops.com on the internet. And yeah, as we said, we'll we'll be releasing some special episodes as well, but always be back next week for our flagship, as we like to call it, our weekly episode looking back at everything that's happened in the Pro League. So yeah, if you do want to get in touch with us, you know where to find us. Search for us on Twitter at Belgian Podcast. Search Belgian Football Podcast on Instagram and Facebook as well, and you can find us there to get in touch. Uh, you can find us all individually as well on Twitter. I'm at Benjack94. Scott is at Scott underscore coin. And Yoris is at Yoris underscore Beck. Alternatively, if you want to avoid social media, you can email us. We are BelgianFootPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks everyone for listening as always. And we'll see you soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.